As we get going in this this morning, I want you to think about the nations. Maybe you have traveled internationally. If you haven't, uh, I'm sure at some point in your upbringing that you have studied about history, you've studied about nations, uh, you've studied about cultures uh, other than our own, and uh, much of what we study, uh, even to this very day in our current uh, global political climate, much of what we hear about in the nations is division and strife and warfare and uh, all those things. I'll let you fill in the blanks as you will, uh, and, uh, but as, as we see so much in, in in what we see about the nations having to do with division, here we see the nations are together and we see what they have in common. We'll let that be part of our framework for understanding this this morning. Uh, We won't be too in-depth. This is a uh, a message, this is a passage, if you're, if you're brand new to this today, you don't know a whole lot about the Bible, or maybe you've never heard this story, it's told in such a way that you can get your mind around it. So just a little bit of effort here together, and you can get your mind around uh, the basic plot and begin to see some of the things that God wants us to hear and to understand about this passage. So we have sheep, goats, and serving the king. That'll be our title be our framework today. Uh, we'll start uh, out. We know that there are, are two groups, and uh, within those two groups, what we are seeing, uh, we see that nations are gathered. That's what we see. Verse 32, before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people, one from another, as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. So, Gathered all the nations. One of the songs had that in it, in it this morning. Uh, the na- nations are gathered. And so before the Lord Jesus, you can think of China or Zimbabwe or Iceland or the United States or fill in any other country that you want to. I picked a few random ones. And they will all be there together before the Lord. They will all be there together before the Lord. None in priority over the other. Now, that's part of the framework we need to have. Another part of the framework here is there is a basic uh, Christian teaching that is in play. Uh, Here is that this is a, a picture of a future reality when Jesus judges the nations. We believe that he will return to this earth We believe that this is uh, most likely, in in comparing to other biblical passages, right before Jesus would inaugurate his 1,000-year reign on this earth prior to the eternal state. So there's been a rapture of the church. There's been seven years of tribulation. And this is a judgment that would happen uh, when Jesus uh, comes and uh, before the inauguration of that 1,000-year kingdom. So humans, we call out and we want God to do what is right. And we often struggle when things that are going on and things that we see aren't what we think is right and we're wondering why the delay, where is God, what is he doing? Well, be certain that this passage today shows us that Jesus is going to judge. Let's take some solace in that. Let's take some encouragement that in the future... Jesus will 
judge the nations. And so the nations are gathered, uh, they're before him, and then the humans uh, that make up those nations are separated. They're separated. This is an intentional setting apart. I looked up the word for this, and uh, the word <coughs> in the Greek implies that there are, is a marking off, there's definite boundaries, and there's a setting apart. So this isn't some basic organizational system. This is designed to give us a picture of clear boundaries. What it made me think of is people who are real weird about their food, and they don't like it to touch on their plate, and get all, are you one of those people? Admit it, it's okay. Good? Anybody else? You don't like your food to run together? And so what do you do when, you, when you're like that? You get those like divider plates, right? And then you never have enough room for everything. <laughs> and you end up trying to pile more into those little tiny squares and it all runs together anyway and then you're frustrated. All right, so, so that's what it made me think of is, is dividing things up. There's, there's places uh, for your food to go. Now, uh, we as humans, we have uh, lots of ways to put ourselves into categories. Nations... Uh, by geography, it, it, that's definitely one of, the re, one of the categories that we have for ourselves. But if you think about it otherwise, uh, besides global uh, political realities, even here in the United States, we have Democrats and Republicans and independents and sports uh, teams. I'm a fan of this, and, and that, that marks me out and separates me from being a fan of this. And we have regions, we have our home state. Uh, We have our class, uh, our income level, maybe we're a victim or a survivor, or uh, we're on a certain continent or a people group, can't leave out skin color. Uh, These are all sorts of categories that the world wants to put us into. And so as we think about this, uh, we, we don't think of separation in those ways. Jesus shows us there are two categories that matter. Anybody here fill out a March Madness bracket this year? How's that all going for you? <laughs> we won't get into that and how you feel about your bracket right this minute, but how many teams are left? Two. Out of all of the games that have been played, out of all the things that have been done and said, there are two teams that matter right now. Two. That's it. I did not time this message to coincide with March Madness. It just happened to be convenient, all right? So I use it as an illustration. Next week, that won't work because then there's only one team and an illustration would be ruined, all right? So humans are separated. Now, two groups, two outcomes. We know the two groups. And as we build to the last point today, as we build through this point, I want you to think about what I'm going to call the elephant in the room, which I know is not the best expression because we're thinking about sheep and goats. And there's not another animal in this story, I promise. It's a phrase, it's an expression, but there's an elephant in the room, and I want you in your minds to start digging and thinking about what is going on in these two groups of people. Now, the sheep, we know the sheep served. We know that. They went into the difficult places difficult situations, and they served. Now you might say, well, I read this, and I listened to this this morning, and actually, uh, Pastor, what it says is they served Jesus. 
says, I was naked and you clothed me, and I was sick and you visited me, and I was in prison and you came to me. And so what I want to do, to do right now is I want to say, I think that the, the way, or the, the, excuse me, the, the biggest thing that will benefit us, the biggest challenge we have in interpreting this passage is what we do with verse 40. If you have your Bibles open, zoom them in right there, where Jesus is talking to the sheep, and I won't repeat all the things that they did, but they, they served him, naked, sick, hungry, thirsty, all those things, they served him, and Jesus says to, the, says to them this, and the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. So the sheep served Jesus. And what Jesus says is, you, you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers. Now, some of this would say this is Jesus' actual brothers. He did have biological brothers. We know that from the rest of Scripture. We know that from the Gospel accounts. Uh, that's a little bit narrow. These people are not being judged on whether they serve Jesus' biological brothers. Uh, some people say that Jesus is referring to the Jewish people as a whole. That might be a decent thought, except for Jesus never <laughs> refers to the Jewish people as his brothers in all of Scripture. It's not an illustration that's used. So, how do we interpret verse 40? The least of these, my brothers, we think of the people who are a part of the body of Christ. The sheep served and were willing to serve those who were struggling and who had difficulty and physical needs within the body of Christ. That's who they served. It's the best way to understand my brothers. And they served that group. Now, we know, I won't belabor this, we know the goats ignored. That's what happened. The goats ignored those people. The question that should be rattling around in your minds right now is, well, do I get into heaven based on how I treat people? Isn't that a legitimate question if you're sitting here honestly thinking about this? Yeah, it is. A couple things. A couple things. I'm going to get to one of them. I have a find here in my note. Yes, next point. One of them I'll get there. But first thing I'll say is, if this is about works... And the first group gets into heaven, the sheep get into heaven because they worked, then why are they surprised when Jesus says, This is what you did? All right? Somebody who's laboring and trying to get into heaven by their works certainly has a long list of everything they've done and would be ready to present it to the king and say, I should get in based on these merits. Jesus says, You did all this stuff and you ministered to me, you did it unknowingly. You served these people and you didn't even know that you were serving me. You thought you were serving them, but that's what you did. So there's something going on there. So let's ask ourselves a couple questions. Can you do great works in this life and still miss out on heaven? The answer is yes, you can. If you rely on those great works that you have done, they will not get you into heaven. Can you fail to do great works and still get to heaven? Yes. If you rely on Jesus and trust him, he will help you grow 
and you just might not work out everything that you want to do. You may not grow to every single place of obedience before you die. You might not, but you'll still get into heaven. I'm not trying to confuse you. I'm not trying to pit these other things I'm saying against this. We have to think in our minds, how do we get saved? Because this passage is about a result of once we have a relationship with Jesus, how does it look? So, if the sheep don't come with their list of works and say, you should let me into heaven because of all of that, then we see that the goats ignore, and they ignore unknowingly as well. They're just absorbed in, the, in themselves, and the voice of the shepherd doesn't mean anything to them. So we have sheep and we have goats. Now, here's the elephant in the room. The elephant is that this passage... This teaching that Jesus gives, he doesn't lay it out in such a way that it's really about the sheep and the goats. They're not really what the passage is about. That's the elephant in the room. So what, who is the passage about? What's it about? The passage is about the king. Think about it. Who's in charge and doling out the judgment here? The king. He's the one who's in charge. Let's think about the kingdom for just a minute. True followers respond in service to the true king. This will warm us up for next week when we see Jesus ride into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. 2 Samuel 7, clear back to the time of King David, God promises that there would be a kingdom and on the throne of David, down through the generations forever and ever, there would be someone on that throne. Eventually, we believe that that is Jesus, and that from that point uh, where, where King David is, through uh, eternity, there will be somebody on the throne of David. We believe now that it's Jesus. We see that. Verse 16, your house, your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. This is not a prophecy that David was going to live forever. No, that someone was going to be on that throne, and we believe that person is Jesus. So the, the idea of a king and a kingdom and a thousand-year kingdom, as we see it in Revelation chapter 20, as we see those things, that shouldn't, that shouldn't surprise us at all. So if this is about the king, then he should be the one who's in charge of who gets saved, shouldn't he? All right, back to... Uh, well, let, let's think about this. We know the sheep served, and we know the goats ignored. Here's John 13. Here are Jesus' words. Let's compare something else Jesus taught. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. What? If you have love for one another. The way that people are going to know that true believers are true believers is that true believers are going to love true believers, even when it's difficult. Does that line up with this passage? Absolutely it does. Hey, you're the ones who realized that there were other believers who were suffering and struggling and had some lack and some need in their times, and you went and you did something about it. That means that that's what's going to happen. If we're obedient to Jesus, then we will show love. Here's another way to, to look at it. It's a very famous passage. We think of love being kind, not envying, not boasting, not arrogant, not rude does not insist on its own way, not irritable or resentful, does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth, 
Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Beautiful. What a picture of love. Do we have this kind of love in our hearts as we think about living in response and in obedience to the true King, Jesus? So true followers respond in service to the true King. Now, here's the other way that we can look at this. I want to make sure that you walk out of here going, I know that I cannot be saved by just treating people right. Look at, in verse 34, look at what Jesus says. Uh, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. There's another thing that's going on there that shows us that this is not directly tied to the works of these people. This is something that God had in mind and in his plans and in the works from the foundation of the world. We respond in service to true King Jesus. We hear his message of love. We know that he took our place by dying for us on a cross. We know that he suffered a a sham of a trial. We know that he was crucified. We know all of those things are true. We know he was buried in a tomb. And on the third day, he rose from the dead. We know those things about him. And what happens is if we put our faith and our trust in him and we say, I worship you, Jesus, and I worship you alone, you are the only way that I can get to heaven, then we begin to hear his voice. He calls us, we respond, we obey. And it's something that God has been bringing about from the foundation of the world. Jesus' words, not mine. So the last thing we can say today for certain is that the king is sovereign over heaven and hell. What we see in John 14, 6 is that Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is not contradicting himself. What he's showing is that once you say, yes, I want to go to God in heaven, I want to be forgiven of my sins, I want to live a whole different life, I'm willing to follow Jesus at any cost, I'm going to turn from my sins. And when we say we make that commitment, we're going to live that out. We put our faith and our trust in him and we recognize the one way, then the fruit of our lives will be our love. And, and we'll be loving and we'll be ministering to fellow believers in some potentially difficult times. And we won't really be able to grasp all of it, but what we're really doing is ministering to the Lord Jesus himself. I hope that excites you. It excites me to think about being able to serve the Lord in that way, not for my own recognition and my own glory. The sheep and the goats aren't, aren't glorified here. Jesus is the one who's glorified. But we see the result, if, that, if there's not a turning to Jesus, then he will say to those on his left, verse 41, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Verse 46, and these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So we know there's a king who is sovereign over heaven and hell. And one day, the opportunity 
to be saved and to be certain that we will go to heaven, the opportunity will run out. For some of us, that, may, that will happen when we die. We will physically die, and then, uh, then time will be up. If we have not put our faith in Jesus Christ, we see a king who is sovereign over heaven and hell, and people who do not trust in Jesus will go to hell. Not my words. The words of Jesus in this passage. We have a king who is sovereign over heaven and hell and who extends the call and says, come to me. Take up your cross and follow me. And throughout the rest of the New Testament, after Jesus' message, we see his disciples, we see the apostles going and preaching the repentance of sin and faith in Jesus Christ as the way to heaven. But we also see great love in the believers. We start to see them living out those words in John 13. So we think about being saved, trusting in Jesus with all of our heart, our faith, our life, Trusting for all of life, not a one-time thing. And we see the fruit, the service to our king. I thought through some possible outcomes of this this morning. You can think about maybe where you are. Perhaps God is challenging you or leading you right now to believe in Jesus Christ. You feel the weight of your sin and your selfishness. But yet you desire to go to heaven and you desire to know God. And you know you can't get there yourself and uh, perhaps you even know right now that you're drawn to serve God and, and you want to start doing these things that are here. That's what happens when God works in our lives and, and we hear this message and, and we're drawn to it. That's what happens. You should rejoice if that's happened. I encourage you today before you leave to surrender to Jesus and say, I will lay down my life and I will follow you because of what you've done for me. And yes, I know I don't know all the answers. That's why it's called coming in faith. And walk in there and say, Lord, help me. That's one possible outcome. Glory to God. We would encourage you with that. Let us know if you have any questions. Another possible outcome is that you're a believer. Perhaps your love has grown cold. Perhaps you've become judgmental and harsh toward followers of Jesus who don't have it quite together as you do. Who maybe aren't quite as stable as you are. Or maybe are from another nation than the one that you live in. Maybe that's reality. And this is a passage that gives us a real strong check of the way that we approach fellow followers of Jesus. This passage isn't about paying somebody to do a ministry to these different places. This passage is about us caring for sick people and feeding hungry people who believe in Jesus. We need to take that into our hearts and be challenged. Another outcome is maybe you celebrate. Hey, you're growing, you're serving, you're trying, you're praying, you're reaching out. Keep showing love. I want to encourage that. The Bible can encourage us. Yes, it reveals our sin, but it also shows our growth. Maybe you used to be real selfish and you're starting to do some of these things. Glory to God. That's the goal. I love it. You know another possible outcome? It's possible that you hear all this and you don't care. And you don't want to turn to Jesus, and you never will. I'm not in charge of that, but the text gives us that possibility, and it terrifies me. I don't want anybody in this room to stay there. I don't want anybody in my life or my family to stay there. I know that God is sovereign over it, but 
he gives us the exercise of preaching and teaching and reaching and witnessing so that those that are, are close to us will know what Jesus is all about. I hope that that desire springs forth from us and that we live in, in terror of people we know spending forever apart from Jesus and suffering in hell. I don't want that for anyone, but I know it's possible, and the text gives us that possibility. So we need to own that this morning.